Hello there, everyone. Today we're talking about the Christian and epistemology. Epistemology is great because... Wait, wait. How do you know that epistemology is great? I guess guess we're going to find out. (laughs) This is a Christian artist honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Carly. And my name is Carly. We're here. We're we're back. This is the first time we've actually recorded an episode in a while. Um, yeah, like a month. I think. In a hot minute. <laughs> no, it's been like three weeks. Hot but... minute. More like a Chinese ten minutes. I'll explain that story at the end. <laughs> Stay tuned. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. As as the cold opening and the title of the episode had clued you in on, I'm sure. We're talking about epistemology, and so Car- yeah, Carly suggested this as a topic, and on, and then she actually, but she actually said ecclesiology at first <laughs> instead of epistemology, and I was like, oh, that sounds like a good topic, and then she's like, oh wait, I meant epistemology, but that one works too, and I was like, well, obviously, you know, what we have to do now, we have to start a mini series on the Christian and the various ologies in the Christian life. And so uh, we already know we're going to do eschatology. It's true. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So that's what I was figuring. Since we're already going to do that, um, I figured we would just we would just start doing some ologies. So I think the way this is going to be phrased is the Christian and blank um, as a pithy title series uh, (laughs) series title rather. Uh, the oh Christian my and I didn't know what ecclesiology meant. Oh yeah, definitely we should do that. <laughs> yes, we should. Yeah. Um. So we could probably do that next week. Um. Yeah. But yeah. So today we're going to talk about epistemology, and honestly, epistemology is a pretty good place to start. Uh, talking about these various ologies in the Christian true. life. True. Because, because what is epistemology? Started, right. Well, because if we started talking about all the other things, we would never know if our <laughs> Invalid, because we first have to talk about epistemology. Exactly. Which is funny because uh, uh, my coworker Noah and I have been talking about epistemology um, in the past few past few days. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, what is epistemology? You ask. Well, epistemology is the study of the nature of knowledge, justification, and the rationality of belief. Right. So, epistemology. In short, how yeah. do we know what we know? Exactly. We don't. Uh, Epistemology addresses <laughs> such questions as what makes justified beliefs justified? What does it mean to say that we know something? And fundamentally, how do we know that we know? As Carly said, right? So, what? Yeah, what is knowledge, and how can we know it, and <laughs> all that jazz? Um, so we talk about epistemology as a Christian. Um, we have a very, and especially specifically as Reformed Christians, um, with uh, you know the five solas uh as a pinpoint of our belief because you know uh that's the basis of christian belief so what we have a what i my train of thought just into the ground there basically what i was trying to say though is as christians we have and particularly as reformed christians we have a particular epistemology that is unique um compared to other epistemologies Right, so epistemology has been studied and talked about for centuries, for since the beginning of time, basically. Um, right, what does it know? What does it mean to know something? How do we know what we know? What does it mean to justify belief? What are all of those things about? Um, but the Christian has a very unique answer to that question, and let's let's talk about it, shall we? That was my intro. Take it away, <laughs> everyone else. <laughs> um. Well, I guess. What made me think about that this might be a good topic to talk about on the podcast Mm -hmm. is that um, in my English class, we were analyzing a text that my teacher gave us, um, which was A Modest Proposal by Jonathan Swift, um, which is an extremely satirical piece um, about um, this guy's proposal on how to deal with um, poverty in Ireland during the potato famine. And um, basically his very satirical proposal is to basically breed people and sell and eat children. And um, Right, because that's the next logical step. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
But my teacher I gotta be honest, I was, was looking at this Wikipedia article and I spaced out for just a second long enough <laughs> to not have the context for that <laughs> statement you just made. Um, my, my teacher didn't tell us that it was satirical when she gave it to us. Hmm. And so when I went home, I looked it up to make sure that it was satirical because I, I wasn't sure at first, but, um, it, it is indeed a satire piece. Um, that's good. And yeah. Um, but it was, it was kind of interesting because I noticed while we were reading it in class, my classmates were like very disgusted by it. And so was I, but I was like, well, like these people support abortion. Like, there's yeah. not a huge difference there. No. Um, and so I was kind of like, okay. Um, and it, it was interesting because in the piece, Jonathan Swift, before he gets to his real, like, um, before he completely finishes building up to the actual proposal of the piece, um, he mentions abortion and how horrible it is. And I was like, okay. And that kind of tipped me off to the fact that it's a satire piece about abortion which I'm reading about the piece. I'm not sure that that's a specifically stated thing that's like official that he wrote it for mm -hmm. that purpose, but it seemed to me like that. And, um, and it just got me thinking about like people have different standards for morality and knowledge and how they know things. And yeah. yet the image of God in people still happens to see things even though they're inconsistent to what some other things that they say they believe, they still happen to see things the way that God would. And that it was very interesting to me because the two, the two points that the proposal of this article would be okay and that abortion are okay are very, um, or that abortion is okay and that this, um, the proposal of this article isn't okay. Those are two contradicting things. Like they, they're yeah. not consistent with each other. So that's what got me thinking about this topic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Cause, and, and you're pointing out a very presuppositional way of looking yeah. at things, right? So someone, someone believes that that thing that they witnessed, right? This these children having horrible things done to them is wrong but why right like what basis do they have mm -hmm. for that belief how do they know that to be a true statement um and this comes back to so i'm, I'm just kind of open i opened the uh wikipedia article on epistemology just to get a like an outline of of what the various aspects of epistemology um and one of the things that brings up first which i think is a good place to start with this is what belief is Right, so a statement of belief is just simply an expression of faith or trust in something, right? So like, I believe this thing is true, and so you trust that that thing is true, you trust either a supernatural power or your own mind or whatever it is to that that is true. Um, but belief is not the same thing as truth, right? So you can believe something that is not true. So the example it gives here is, you know, a person believes that a bridge is safe enough to support them and attempts to cross it, but then the bridge collapses under their weight. It could be said that they believed the bridge was safe, but that their belief was mistaken. It was not the truth. So, right, like when we're talking about epistemology, um, we all have, as human beings, things that we believe, things that we want to be true and we think are true, but how do we know? How do we actually know what is true versus what is false? And is there a way that we can know that um, definitively, right? Or are we, according to a... Um, like an atheistic, uh, humanistic worldview, is it impossible to know anything, um, right? Because if you, if you take humanistic atheism to its logical extent, right, you can't know anything because your senses, you know, your mind, your, your five senses and, and everything you use to reason with is the product of random chance over billions of years of evolution, which is not reliable, right? You can't ultimately know, there's no basis, there's no foundation for you knowing for sure that what you're experiencing right now or what you believe is actually true, right? So epistemology is about finding out a justification for a belief, right? How can we justify the fact that we have a belief by assuming it's true and, and then having a foundation to on which to say it's true. Otherwise, we're just speculating, right? We can say that we believe something, but how do we know? 
Um, and is there a way to know? And so there are all sorts of like studies and uh, philosophers and stuff have wrestled with this question throughout all of human history. And most of what they eventually get back to is this idea of rationalism, right? So you can trust logic and reason. Um, but, and, and there, there are like um, laws of logic and reason, right? That's so we can we can make a logical argument about a thing and know that it's logical um, because we're using our minds to reason with, but if we don't have a further foundation for why our minds are reliable, mm -hmm. then we ultimately don't have a very firm foundation because as we know, our minds are very good at playing tricks on us, right? Like it, yeah. it, we, there's been countless studies done on the fact that the human brain isn't reliable because it tricks itself, it deceives itself. It, you can have a psychological disorder that makes it impossible to actually know what is real as such in this, as in the case of schizophrenia, right? So how do we know? How do we actually know? And so we're talking about this as, as Christians. How do we know? Caleb, you've heard yeah. this before, so don't mm -hmm. answer this. So Carly, if you maybe you've heard this before or not, but spell the word, the word silk. S-I-L-K. Okay, what do cows drink? Milk. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> 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 yeah, so that's just proven. Right. Yeah. Our minds are <laughs> with that one statement. Yeah. You cannot trust yourself supremely. That would be very, very foolish. Yeah. So, and, and the whole thing with um, relying on your senses as truth is circular reasoning because you only know that your senses are reliable because of your senses. Mm -hmm. You know, part of you is reliable. Uh, sorry, I'm moving <laughs> myself. <laughs> Um, no, no, uh, no, nothing, nothing from our senses, from my being, um, can be proven just by me. There has to be some sort of outside influence yeah. to, um, what's the word to testify yeah. of, of my mm -hmm. own senses validity. Yeah. But the problem is, is I only perceive those testaments by my own senses mm -hmm. therefore it's still circular reasoning even then yeah. so all right. of this is up to what your presupposition is of the world and can you know things that depends on how knowledge came to be is whether or not that is reliable right whether knowledge is even a thing in the first place, yeah. right? Whether is, is consciousness just a cosmic accident, like, like right. some kind of sort of trick on our brains, like we actually aren't even perceiving anything. Like right. there has to be some sort of absolute in yes. order for there to be true. But and it has to be external of ourselves. Yes. We have already proven that there is such a thing as absolute truth by the own by the reasoning that we know of the idea of absolute truth. Because if we're talking in terms of relativism, if we say that you, there's no such thing as absolute truth, you've already proven that there is such a thing as absolute truth by the fact that you've acknowledged that <laughs> our truth is less than that. If there wasn't yeah. such a thing as absolute truth, we would never have come up with the idea because it doesn't exist. The I mean, only reason you're making like an ontological truth. argument for well, hold up. truth. Yeah, no, the only reason that absolute truth... Um, Honestly, I have no idea what that word means, but it's ontological. Yeah, but that's besides the point. The only reason that we know um, of those things' existence, or or perceive our truth as lesser than absolute truth, is already proving its existence because we notice already that it is a distortion of that. For the same reason. Yeah. If that if someone says that truth is relative then they're claiming that anything that anyone else says is below that statement which means that their statement must be absolute truth yeah, yeah. so <laughs> if because yeah. if their statement is relative then it can't be true <laughs> which would mean yeah. that there are exactly. like right like it's yeah there's the same reason that we know good exists because the fact that we can recognize evil mm -hmm. if there is such a thing as evil evil is a perversion of truth if there was no uh, i'm sorry not truth good if there was no such thing as good, we would never recognize evil as such. Hmm. Right, because we have nothing to compare it to. Yeah, we would never mm -hmm. recognize a lie 
if there was no such thing as truth. Right. So the ontological, yeah. an ontological argument, Connor, is an argument from being, um, right? So it's about the state of being or existing. So usually the main ontological argument that people make is like, we we can think of God, so God must exist, right? Like there, we can perceive of a God who is above everything, so God must exist. That's the ontological argument for God. So you're you're well, you're making no. an ontological argument for absolute truth by the virtue of we we can think it up, like it, it we can imagine it. No, the difference is is that it's not just the fact that we can imagine it. It's the the fact that we. It's not the fact that we can imagine it. It's the fact that we can perceive something by virtue of not by virtue of, by comparison to something that is a distortion of it. And we already recognize this is a distortion of this. I, okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we know that, that there that is problem. truth by the fact that there is a lie. Mm -hmm. Got it. That's different than we know God is because we can think of him. We can think of many mythological creatures and that doesn't make such a thing true. Yeah. That's, that's not proving god and if, if we're gonna really get into epistemology and presuppositional apologetics we don't have to prove that there is a god because everybody knows there is a god mm -hmm. yeah yeah um i'm currently reading a book called 20th century theology and it's gone through so far a lot of different philosophers and theologians that have especially closer to the enlightenment era had a lot of um put a lot of weight on like the human conscience and the human ability to reason and turns out most of their theology ended up being pretty backwards too um at least some areas of it um some people had no regard for scripture as the word of god and yet they still claim to be christians and um and some people had very interesting views about um about uh, the incarnation and that Jesus wasn't actually God and stuff like that. And so mm -hmm. epistemology affects your theology a lot. <laughs> yeah. Where you get what you know right. determines what you actually think is true. Right, because as a Christian, this it comes back to ultimate standards, right? What is our standard for knowing something is true or false, right? And if that standard is anything other than, you guessed it, scripture, then... Mm -hmm there it's it's a lesser standard and so you can end up straying away from what scripture actually teaches us um and so that's that's really where i mean when we're talking about epistemology and especially as reformed christians that's where we get to this doctrine of sola scriptura not only in like christian belief and practice but like for every basis of epistemology in the first place right the reason we can know anything is because god right is because god specifically revealed to us knowledge he gave us minds he gave us the ability to reason and he gave us a divine revelation by which we can test belief and truth um right so ultimately the reason to piss, the reason we can know anything is how do we know what we know because god but you know mm -hmm. what does that mean so let's dig into that <laughs> a little bit more well, okay, so here's, um, if you guys have heard of Eric Hovind, this mm -hmm. is his whole spiel, and uh, he does this with Saita and Bruggen Cage as well. Mm -hmm. um, if you are, like, the smartest person in the universe, and you know 1% of the knowledge there is to know, and the entirety of knowledge itself, if you know 1%, like that's a huge number, but let's go with 1%, okay? Even if you knew 1% of all the knowledge there is to know, you don't know anything. Because <laughs> the 1% of knowledge that you do know could contra be contradicted by the 99% of information that you do not know. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if I only know 1% of knowledge, I have to say, well, I know this, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. You compare that to anything else. Oh, the speed limit is 45, but I could be wrong. Do I know what speed <laughs> limit is? Nope. Obviously not. Yeah. If I could be wrong, I've given up the right to knowledge. Mm -hmm. Therefore, unless you know everything, you don't know anything. Not hmm. for certainty. Which brings or, us to a point of like confusion. It's like, all right, well, then I guess we can't know everything. But right. as the Christian, as a Christian, we make absolute statements all the time, right? If we say Jesus is God, 
That's an absolute statement that we believe wholeheartedly in mm-hmm. every aspect of our lives. We're not going to say, but I could be wrong because that's the foundation of our existence as a Christian. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how can we make those sorts of statements, Connor? I know you're leading up to it, but like. Yeah. So you either have to know everything in order to know anything, or you have to know someone who knows everything yeah. and have <laughs> that person who does know everything reveal knowledge to you. And yeah. that is God in the Bible. Long ago, and in many ways, and in many times, God yeah. spoke to us through his prophets. But now, in these last times, he speaks to us through his son. Or to us through his son, sorry. Mm-hmm. Right, so this, I mean, this comes up a lot when we're talking about, um, I mean, not only apologetics, but um, uh, creation. Talking about, like, did God you know, create the world, and how can we know this, and all of those sorts of things, right? Like when we, when people argue about whether or not the world was created in six literal days, or it was, you know, it was the product of accident and involved over millions of billions of years. Um, how do we know which of those statements is true? It's like, all right, are we going to trust man's, infa- uh, man's fallible reasoning, their fallible opinions, and get to a point where that person, that, that man has to say, I know this, but I could be wrong. Or do we trust the one person, the one being that was there, did know it, and tells us about it, mm-hmm. right, through through scripture, um, which is reliable, um, mm-hmm. right? And that's, and that's the thing we have to come back to as well, is the Bible is the most reliable book in all of history, right. um, <laughs> just, by, just by virtue of its, the number of, like, copies of original man- manuscripts we have and the reliability of the transfer, the unchanged nature of, of manuscripts. It's the most reliable book by a long shot. Um, but then when we take into account the fact that it was written by God, um, <laughs> then, you know, it's reliability goes to a hundred percent. Um, so we, we come to a point where we're like, all right, how do we know what we know? And it's because we know the person who did know it and does know it and, reveals it to us right and that doesn't mean that we can know anything right because we we can't know um what this person did on this exact moment 200 years ago randomly (laughs) like just some random person right but all of the things as as like any good confession will say right like the bible is sufficient for all christian belief and practice right like Mm -hmm. that's that's all all we need in this life is provided by the bible in terms of um, our epistemology in, in terms of our any other ology you could think of theology ecclesiology um eschatology any of those things right like we get it from scripture as our foundation and so we can look at that and say this is reliable 100 percent uh because i know you know the person who wrote this has 100 percent knowledge <laughs> and so they can know everything and they do know everything and they reveal to us the things that we need to know Okay, so then the argument against that is, well, people wrote the Bible, not God. They didn't know everything. Couldn't they be wrong? All scripture <laughs> is... I'm, I'm just finding the actual reference real quick. Second <laughs> okay. Timothy three sixteen through 17, all scripture is breathed yeah. out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, uh, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right, so... God is the ultimate author of scripture. He worked through men to create a reliable account of historical narrative and godly wisdom. For the same reason that we as Christians aren't taking up to heaven as soon as we become saved and we are remaining here to be messengers, to be God's instruments for spreading the truth. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey guys. Hi. <laughs> so this brings so so and and this brings us to an idea called presuppositionalism, right? So the reason that I think epistemology is really really important as a Christian and knowing that our the foundation for our knowledge, the foundation for anyone's knowledge of anything, right? Ultimately comes back to scripture. Ultimately comes back to the one person who who knows everything telling us whether or not something is true. Um that's where we have to get our our knowledge so this this comes in when we are defending our faith using apologia or apologetics right a reasonable defense of our faith 
And so when we're having a conversation with someone who does not have uh, scripture as their ultimate standard for epistemology, um, one of the primary ways of um, defending our faith and getting them to see the bankruptcy of their own worldview is to figure out what their presuppositions are, right? Is to talk about presuppositions. What are presuppositions, you ask? Which one of you like to define what presuppositions are? I don't have any presuppositions to do so, so no. That doesn't make... Okay. <laughs> I believe they're things that you believe that you bring into an argument. Yeah. Uh, a belief system that is required for the argument to make sense. Yeah. Right? So you have certain presupposed ideas about how the world, what the world is, how it works, how you work, what your place in the universe is, what the purpose of anything is. And every single person brings those presuppositions when they have a conversation about anything. And so us as a Christian, uh, right, we would come to an argument about anything and say, all right, my presupposition is that God created the universe in six literal days and he gave us scripture and for all Christian belief and practice. And he is the creator of everything you see. Right. And so everything that exists exists because of God. While a non-Christian, like an atheistic evolutionist, humanist, any of those um, would come to the table and often anyone who just kind of like doesn't really have any particular belief system, they'll, they'll often just um, default to this because of our culture. But they'll be like, yeah, it's an accident. And human reasoning is basically the epitome of like that. That's as far as we can get in terms of like knowledge. Where does knowledge come from? Our minds. We can figure it out from our reasoning. And so, but that's as far as their epistemology goes. They, they have no further backing for why that's reliable. And so that's where you can have a conversation about presuppositions. What what are our presuppositions coming coming to the table about anything, right? And and are those presuppositions reliable? And uh, that's when you ask them to spell the word silk. Yes, <laughs> exactly right. Because we're 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 when you have a conversation with someone about um, epistemology, about how we can know what we know. We have to get back to right this idea of the unre unreliability of our own reasoning, um, and then go through what we just talked about. But you know, uh, we're having a conversation about those things. Um, the non-Christian, like say, say we're having a conversation about um, uh, whether or not um, Jesus is God, right? Hey Caleb, do you think Jesus is God? No, I don't. I've, I've examined the evidence and I don't think that Jesus is God. Oh, okay. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> oh, wait, were you supposed to be playing the non-Christian? Uh, well, that was my plan. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, what are, you, what are you trying to prove? What, what are we talking about? I, I, don't, <laughs> I thought we were on the same page there, but we weren't. No, well, um, I, I was trying to revive it. Just continue. Okay. Uh... Right, but like we're having a conversation about whether or not Jesus is God. <clears throat> and so uh, this person is bringing their presuppositions that, you know, human reasoning is the foundation of all knowledge. And okay. I'm bringing my presupposition that God's scripture is the foundation of all knowledge, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. Um, and so this person comes comes to me and they say, I, you know, I don't believe that Jesus is God because my brain convinces me of that, right? Like the evidence provided to me convinces me otherwise right that jesus can't be god because of this book because of that book because of the historical scholars who have you know proven one way or another so in 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 some fashion um usually an unreliable fashion uh that you know jesus can't actually be who he said he was or did what he said he did because they try to debunk the bible or whatever right. um and so their foundation is their human reasoning but i'm looking at it from perspective of of uh of scripture and so i would say okay i mean i believe ultimately jesus is god because the bible says so and even if you don't believe that scripture is you know the foundation of all knowledge i'm not going to give up that presupposition in order to have an argument with you um and this is maybe a little bit of a tent uh, of a tangent uh, um from epistemology but if we're talking about apologetics this is one of the important things to to remember um you never is put down your weapon exactly Right. When you're having a conversation, when you're having an apologia, right, a recent defense of your faith, um, you're yeah, you're not going to give up your weapon. Right. You're not going to uh, lower yourself to the sinking ship in order to convince someone to go on your sturdy ship. Uh, that's the way I heard Jeff Durbin describe it. Um, oh, yeah. 
right? So when when we're having a clash of worldviews and we're talking about like what I believe and what you believe and how they're different, right? We as Christians aren't going to assume their presuppositions, which are wrong in order to convince them that our presuppositions are right, right? That's not how this works. We can't be like, oh, okay, you don't believe the Bible is is evidence of Jesus being God. So I guess let's talk evidence. Let's talk about human reasoning. Let's talk about how human reasoning does point to Jesus. And I believe that it does, right? Like I believe ultimately any sort of endeavor that you could take to arrive at the conclusion that Jesus is God through any means of knowledge can ultimately does point to, you know, the truth of scripture. But when we're, when we're uh, giving up our presuppositions like that, when we're assuming their epistemology, we forfeit the right to know anything as well, mm-hmm. right? We can't ever ultimately make any sort of statement that makes logical sense because we aren't basing that on any sort of firm foundation. We're basing it on the same foundation that we believe is faulty, which is human reasoning is all all that mm-hmm. matters. Um, and so when we're talking about epistemology, it's important to remember that our epistemology as Christians is entirely unique and very different and uh, we have to keep coming back to that as the standard because the only way human reasoning makes any sense is because God, right? So any of the things that someone would argue from, right? So say we're arguing about, um, say we're I'm, I'm having a conversation with an atheist who does believe, or who doesn't, who doesn't, who believes that abortion isn't wrong, um, right? And and so I ask them, all right, well, what is wrong, right? Like, is slavery wrong? And they're like, yeah, of course slavery is wrong. And then I'll be like, all right, why? Why is slavery wrong? And it's like, oh, because it harms, hurts a human being. It's like, all right, well, what defines some, something as hurting a human being, right? Like, what, what does that mean? And it's like, oh, you know, it causes them physical discomfort. Okay, why is that wrong? Why is causing a human being physical discomfort wrong? Why is that? Why is that a moral evil? What is even moral evil in the first place? And right, you 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 keep wearing them down back to a point where they have to realize mm-hmm. that they have no foundation for why they know what they know. Right? They make a statement about, "I know this is true." Right? Slavery is wrong, which is a statement that I would hope everyone would agree on. Right? Mm-hmm. But that person has to get to a point where they realize their epistemology is faulty because they don't have a firm foundation on which to base that claim. They say slavery is wrong, but their worldview says that we're just random blobs of cells smashing into each other with no purpose or function whatsoever, except to just continue reproducing and then die. Then it doesn't matter if I do if I cause you physical discomfort, as long as it like I can do whatever I want because I'm the ultimate authority, right? There is no ultimate authority. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, moral evil can exist because no one said that it's evil. And and if you think that something is evil, I could think that it's not evil. And then where are we, right? Nobody has the final say. Um, and that's why epistemology is important as a Christian, right? We have mm-hmm. to know what we know and we have to be able to tell non-Christians why what they know isn't right. And that's the thing, right? Like sometimes that, that comes off as, um, uh, as harsh, um, especially among Christian circles where people will be like, why are you approaching it that way? Right. And it's because we can't have, we can't even begin to have a conversation about these things, about moral evil, about, um, the truth of, of any of scripture's claims, unless we agree on a presupposition, unless we start at scripture because no other epistemology makes sense. So here's, here's the problem is we try to say, well, we need to um, be nicer to people and stop trying to assert our authority and just have conversations with people, right? And then what you've done is you said, well, I mean, pretty much just go back to what we did before and say, then you've just given up your weapon. But even Mm -hmm. more than that is it's not going to go anywhere. You're not going to convince somebody of anything. Um, And and it's like this, if... uh, the, the whole idea of trying to, to prove God or to prove the presupposition of the Bible is true, all of those things, um, if I have to prove those things to somebody, okay, let's just take, let's just take God because giving evidence of the Bible's reliability is actually very important. But 
giving right because it's because it's our foundation for knowledge yeah right yeah giving reliability for god is is foolishness you don't need to prove god because everybody knows there is a god you can you can point out the rationality to them of that they should believe there's a god but if you're trying to prove god what you've done is you've taken god off the judge's seat and you've put Mm -hmm. them in the judge's seat and put god on the stand and then they're going to sit there and say, well, I don't know if God is real or not. And we're going to try to prove to them that God is real. Where it's true with the other way around, uh, other way around that they are on trial. And that the God, the holy judge of the universe is, you know, the judge. And we're not trying to decide whether or not God is real. We're trying to decide whether or not that person is going to heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're, we're always supposed to come back to the authority that we stand on otherwise what's the point yeah otherwise we're 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 in the same mud that a non-christian is in trying to right. have a basis for anything that they know um right. and and so right like uh, this this comes from not it doesn't come from because it comes from scripture but like it uh, this was popularized most recently by a guy named cornelius van till um who had uh who made this this sort of argument for presuppositional apologetics when engaging with non-believers and one of the things that he always pointed out um was uh right like there are certain presuppositions there are certain like necessary foundational principles that every human being agrees on like the existence of logic the existence of reason the existence of moral evil right like if we are going to have any sort of conversation about any of these things those are the things that we always presuppose but the only way that a non-Christian can presuppose those things is by borrowing, as, as Van Til's mm-hmm. puts it, borrowing capital from the Christian worldview. Um, so I think one of the my favorite um, people to listen to, uh, and I've just forgotten his name, uh, Jason Lyle. Um, he, he talks a lot about logic and stuff. He, he's from this, this same camp of like Vantillian presuppositionalism. And he, he loves, uh, there's one illustration that I, I found, um, where it, it's, it's, um, the, it's a, like a Christian and a non-Christian standing on like, uh, like a, a ledge and this person, like they're both standing on the ledge that is like God's word as like the foundation, right? And the, the non-Christian is standing at like the edge of the ledge and saying like, see, like this is wrong. Like God's word is wrong, but they don't realize they're, they're standing on the same ledge. And if, if, if like the, the presuppositions that they are attempting to use to say that God's word is wrong are the, the very same things that are presupposed because of God's word. And so they ultimately are, are being foolish because they, the only way those things can make sense, the only way that logic and reason and, uh, and all of those things can be used to make a, an intelligible argument in the first place is because God had to exist and make, make them in the first place, right? And make them logical and reasonable because without someone, some external authority saying this is logical and reasonable, it wouldn't be because we can't make that up ourselves. It has to be external. And and evolution certainly doesn't give us that. Yeah. It's (laughs) as silly as somebody saying, hey, sledgehammers and sidewalks don't exist. And, uh, uh, well, no, actually, the the Christian would say sledgehammers and sidewalks exist. And the atheist comes and says, no, neither exist. Watch, takes the sledgehammer and smashes the sidewalk. (laughs) Right. That's, That's the argument. Yeah. It's no, there's no such thing as moral evil. I'm using my logic to prove you yeah. that there's no such thing as moral evil. And then you say, what? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was watching um, the uh, evolution debate that Jeff Durbin and uh, Yeah, I never know how to pronounce his last name. Um, him and then him and Jeff Durbin, um, and then two other atheists were debating each other. And um, I remember specifically that um, one point one of the atheists said, well, like, I believe in science, you know, like, that's what, like, I don't have faith in anything. I just trust science. And well, size like, well, that's having faith in something like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's you can't say yeah. that you trust something and then say that you don't have faith in anything because mm-hmm. that's a contradiction. Yeah. 
you know, that actually brings up a really good point. I think something that, that definitely needs to be talked about when we talk about epistemology is what's, what science, where science comes into this, right? So we're talking about epistemology. How do we know what we know, right? Science, the scientific method is a way of using observation and testing, right? To prove something empirically, right? So something that can be repeated, tested, observed, that can be proven, right? So uh, something like the law of gravity, right? Like, so things always fall down towards the planet because of gravity, right? Sort of the thing. At the same rate, it's it's consistent. Um, but people try to use science as the foundation for their epistemology, right? So I just believe whatever science says, right? Whatever is, is science says, that I, that's what I believe. The problem with that is science, the scientific method, is a very neutral uh, tool used to prove a certain type of knowledge, which is something that empirical knowledge, right? Something that can be proven, uh, something that can be tested, repeated, and observed. Um, the laws of logic cannot be observed. They cannot be repeated. They cannot be tested. Mm -hmm. They don't exist materially, right? So the scientific method can test things that are material, but once we get to the immaterial, which it does exist, and if someone tries to tell you that it doesn't, then, I mean, they're not making any sense. They're not even being intelligible anymore because they're, they're, they're using <laughs> something immaterial, which is language, to even say that in yeah. the first place. Um, right? So this is this is a problem that I think a lot of people get into when, when someone says, right, like, I believe what science tells me and science says that, like, you know, the Earth is millions of years old. The problem with that statement is science ultimately cannot prove what the age of the earth is because you can't go back and observe it, right? Science can only prove something that can be repeated, tested, and observed. The age of the earth cannot be. And even though we have methods in which to date rocks, those methods are very unreliable um, and they don't and they actually suppose they yeah. presuppose their own worldview and they also exactly. presuppose uniformitarianism exactly very very unlikely in a world of evolution right right so we so we get a uh, a whole slew of things in here when someone says you know i believe that science tells me what they're really saying is i believe this set of presuppositions this set of humanistic presuppositions around which the scientific method is used as a tool, right? Like uh, to selectively use those presuppositions to prove something that can't be proved or tested or observed or repeated in the way that the scientific method demands, um, right? So I feel bad for the scientific method sometimes because uh, it's used <laughs> as, it's just this neutral bystander in a war of ideologies. And ultimately it can prove lots of cool things about our observable universe. I just, um, see, I just see science over here like, hey guys, look, gravity. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone takes and just like smashes him against a, a, a wall like evolution millions of years he's just like no i can't do it i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah i wish i was could be more useful yeah exactly um but right so that that's what's going on there is is we um the, this is something that comes up a lot when we're talking about like creation versus evolution that sort of um argument is we have to get down to the you have to get down to epistemology ultimately that's what you have to get down to because when the atheist and the christian look at the same observable evidence the observable science that we can see and test and observe and repeat we come to different conclusions based on that evidence because we have different presuppositions right we have different epistemologies we have different ways of knowing what we can know right so the because um an atheistic, rationalistic perspective of epistemology is so subjective, they can use anything their minds can imagine to justify whatever belief they want to have. Um, and so they come with those presuppositions, they come with their God-hating presuppositions already, and then come to conclusions based on those presuppositions, where we come to conclusions of observable evidence based on our own presuppositions it's just the difference is our presuppositions are right <laughs> yeah. uh right so and, and that and that's not because we're we got it right right it's not because we, we we can boast in that it's because god supernaturally revealed to us via the holy spirit that right. scripture is true right right so yeah uh uh first corinthians 118 for the uh the ooh. For the gospel is foolishness to those, oh, for mm -hmm. the cross. For the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, it is the power of God. 
to save. Mm-hmm. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God. There you go. Yeah. First Corinthians one eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? No, I think we pretty much covered literally every part of epistemology. <laughs> I love talking about epistemology, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. so a couple of a couple of things to uh, look up then. So literally just last night we talked about epistemology at youth group. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Um, nice. So a couple of things to point out is uh, if you look up Eric Covent, um, he has uh, a sermon on this that which is what we watched last night. I sh- I shouldn't say sermon. It's technically not a sermon, but uh, it's it's good stuff um i want to make sure i have the exact uh uh it's so there's a youtube video called evidence for creation in the mind of the skeptic eric Hovind. okay mm. so look that up if you're looking for some more stuff on apologetics a presuppositional apologetics and um epistemology as well as the movie which is free fully fully a full the full movie is free on youtube right now called how to answer the fool by mm, side yeah um, from uh, the evangelist side tent Bruden Gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so look them up. Uh, the last thing I would want to say though is that these things are not essential to the gospel. They are essential to convincing an evolutionist or an atheist that their presuppositions that they're bringing to the table are wrong. But not everybody has has presuppositions that there is no such thing as moral evil. There is no such thing as as logic or that logic belongs solely to the fact there is a god not everybody has these presuppositions so you don't always need to break down those walls for uh in order to preach the gospel so i just wanted to be clear on that Mm -hmm. that we don't go uh we don't just don't start with that necessarily yeah yeah you don't need to go up to people and say you're wrong your epistemology is horrible. Well, yeah. Well, obviously not even that. That's 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 insulting. To, yeah, to, that our listeners would do that. My goodness. Kidding, <laughs> kidding. Um, sorry. Uh, uh, no. Okay. So, uh, uh, if if we're gonna go out and preach the gospel <laughs> to people, we don't have to convince them, um, of epistemology or presuppositional apologetics. We use those things. We don't need to explain that we're using those things. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So at, at the end of the day, unless somebody is like, oh, no, I'm an atheist. I'm an evolutionist. I know there is not a God. Then you get into the fact of, you know, there's not a God. Oh, okay. Fantastic. <laughs> How do you know that? Have you explored the entire universe? You've gathered all knowledge <laughs> there is to know. And you've concluded with 100% certainty, gathering all knowledge in the universe, that there is no God that's what you've just said and then be like if obviously they should say no if they're rational if they say yes they've just proven that god exists because they've just said that they are god <laughs> right <laughs> because if you know all yeah. knowledge oh well you must be god then yeah <laughs> and so either way in order to prove that there is no god somebody has to have all knowledge therefore that a person is god he has all knowledge and therefore he proves that he it does exist by revealing that knowledge to us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So but you don't need to do that in order to preach the gospel to somebody. The gospel is conviction of sin. You have broken God's holy law, you've lied, stolen, blasphemed, um, committed adultery in your heart through lust, um, committed uh, murder in your heart for uh, hating your brother without a just cause. Um, and you bring them to a knowledge of that sin and then you point them to the cross not saying repent only because repentance can't save you jesus and his sacrificial Mm -hmm. atonement on the cross him giving up his life and having the wrath of god poured out on him instead of people who deserve it that's what saves us we put our faith and trust in christ his work on the cross and because we put our faith and trust in christ he says to turn from our sins and he gives us a new heart. He gives us the Holy spirit. And because we put our faith and trust in God, we will repent. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel. We don't need to, to prove to somebody all these presuppositional things, though they are very important to know in order to engage pre- certain people in these conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing, right? Like, I, I mean, 
what you said just right said right there, Connor, like your gospel presentation, it, it ultimately comes down to presuppositions as well. It's just in a different different fashion. Like you're always gonna come back to that in some fashion, just because it's like if someone just says, I don't believe that, right? I don't believe that God is this right. way. Then you just say, right, that this is why presuppositional apologetics is important, is because then you, you don't just say, oh, okay, well like, hear me, let me let me figure out the evidence for you and I'll prove it to you. You just say God's word says. And so you have to believe it, right? I'm, I'm calling you to repentance. Like God is calling you to repentance. God's word said it. Like I, you need to believe it, right? Where that's ultimately where we stand as Christians. We're preaching the gospel to anyone. We're explaining scripture to anyone. We're having a conversation with anyone. We're just always in the back of our minds. We know that this is our standard of truth and we're not going to back down from that, right? Like right. we're not going to try to equivocate something or, or, or justify something with something other than scripture, right? If, if someone asks us, why do I believe it, uh, what I believe? You say, because of the Bible, right? right? And and ultimately that's that's what you stand on. Um, uh, but yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I just looked up um, all of the different ologies that exist. <laughs> like there's a, there's a Wikipedia page of just all of the ologies in every field that exists. And so I'm going to, I'm going to compile a list of ones that actually like are relevant to Christian life. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll figure out which ones we're going to go through next. Um, we might not do all of them necessarily. <laughs> uh, one last thing I, I want to but... talk about. So obviously yeah, sure, yeah, that's what we'll do. Um, Matthew seven, six says, do not throw your pearls to the swine. Ah, there yeah. comes mm. a point in time where if you're talking with somebody like this, there's no reason to continue the conversation because you're wasting your time on somebody who is has hardened their heart and they have chosen their path and don't even need to do anything with them. Um, here's a question that you can ask people to very easily get to the heart of the matter. And if somebody says, no, there is not a God. And then they ask you, Oh, prove God to me, prove, prove God to me. Give me evidence. You ask them, if I gave you enough evidence, if I spent five hours explaining to you all these different things about God, about the Bible, all these different things, and I proved to you that the Bible is reliable and that God exists, would you then worship God? And they'll usually say, no, no, I won't. <laughs> and that's when you know you're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. If yeah. they say, oh, yes, absolutely, I would. Then by all means, look, there's a tree. God exists. How did that treat yeah, you? I mean, it's answer the fool according to his folly, lest he be yes. wise in his own eyes, and right. do not answer the fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's our apologetics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so we'll talk cool. about more crazy, weird, smart things, smart yeah. people things next week. Did we want to do ecclesiology next? Since yeah, that was the one that came good. up, I think that, that that's like a good one to do. Uh, apparently, we're starting the ease. Um, <laughs> right we, ecclesiology where we'll do eschatology pretty soon i'm sure um because i'm yeah I'm, uh, I'm yeah we'll do that after you're done with your series i think or after no, we're we done with it or like in the middle well, of it i feel, like, I feel like we shouldn't at all because we'll have no need to because we'll record them and just release them on the podcast no i think like maybe we should uh do that like as I'm kind of starting to study it just as like an overview, right? Cause that's okay. it's one thing to do like a in-depth seven week mess, like series on it. And then another <laughs> okay. just be like, right. here's an overview right. on eschatology. One episode summary. Yeah. Right. All of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But another thing to keep in mind is we did definitely talk in depth about eschatology recently on the podcast. We didn't though. <laughs> I know that we didn't. <laughs> what? What no, we had about? this conversation before. What, when did we, did we talk about this? Talk about eschatology? I, don't I know we, so. we talk about it all the time, but we've yeah. never gone in depth on it. Oh my goodness. We when would we have done that? <laughs> what episode? I don't remember. It was it was when we started the videos, so it was soon. It was, it was we talked long. a little bit about it. I don't know. When you spend 20 minutes on something, it can't be a little bit. I don't. The the first question I asked for this podcast was about eschatology, and you guys never made a whole episode on it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, remember? So definitely still need to do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go then. 
all right, I have been proven wrong. <laughs> uh, one other disclaimer I want to I want to talk about there. I mean, so we presented a particular reformed epistemology um, in apologetic, right? So there are others that exist, and we disagree with them. Um, but yeah. like, this isn't we're not this isn't we aren't the uh, end all be all to. I think probably when we're going through these, we're not gonna like we're not going to do a whole bunch of research and like research every single viewpoint on each of these topics. We're just going to get a general, give a general overview of what it is and then what our personal like encouragements mm -hmm. and exhortations for this particular area in the Christian life should be for Christians. That's, that yeah. is probably how we're going to approach this. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing is we could spend all day, every day proving to people what is not true. The easier way to do things is to teach people what is true and if somebody is like, well, I thought this was true, then you have that conversation then. Yeah, go to scripture uh, and we'll figure it out. Right. A very, a very, uh, uh, that, that's, that's when you come into, to problems with ministries. Like, um, like what's his name? Something Flowers? Leighton Flowers. Leighton Flowers, whose entire ministry from everything that I've seen of his is always, proving calvinism wrong it's never proving arminianism right <laughs> it's always proving calvinism wrong mm -hmm. my question is where's the gospel where's yeah. where's god where's jesus where's the holy spirit where's go to church where's pray where's read your bible it's always just hey this particular belief that people somehow stem from the bible is not true and that's his ministry and that's a waste of time don't prove things that are, um, are not true simply because you want to prove the things that are true. Right. That's, that's the goal should be is you teach yeah. what is true and the rest naturally follows. Yeah. That's why I'm when I'm, I'm preparing to do a series on postmillennialism. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time argue, like right. arguing against certain things. Right. Like I'm going to give, uh, there's going to be one, one time, the very last uh, sermon I'm going to do is answering common objections to postmillennialism. Yeah, but everything mm -hmm. else is going to be like, this is what Scripture says. Let's exegete right. it, <laughs> um, right. and then working out from there, right? Like, what does Scripture say about postmillennialism? And then at the very end, I'll be like, and here are some common objections, and let's talk about them. Go through them one by one. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Definitely have like a Q and A thing. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're going to have those at the end of every every session. Right. Right. Okay. Like. Like we always do. Remember, we were going to do the discussions. Right. But but then but you, the person who speaks usually isn't involved with the discussion things. Uh, and, we could. I mean, you know, what we could actually do then. Maybe we could frame it like a large group discussion then instead. Right. Instead of small group discussion. So that right. everybody's kind of. Yeah, I think let's let's probably do that. Yeah. Write that in your notes. I will. <laughs> OK, so, yeah, uh, this has been the Christian artist then. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Christian Artist Show and at our website at Christian Artist Show dot com. We'll be back next week with uh, another episode, probably in this little mini series. Uh, we'll probably do the Christian and ecclesiology, uh, which is a thing that we've been kind of discussing in our own personal lives a bit uh, anyway. So um, yeah. I, I'm excited for that for sure. Yeah. Carl, you just found a new church. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. And and. <laughs> We've been. Uh, we just went to a conference that talked extensively about the local church. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll have we'll have lots of fun th things to talk about. Um, but yeah. So as oh my goodness, yeah. yes. Another just thing, <laughs> real quick, is that we went to the oh G2 yeah. When those yeah. videos release, please watch all of them. Yeah, I'll, I'll. I mean, I think they might have released by now, but I'll. I'll. They have not. They haven't. Okay. No. Um, when they do, we'll we'll post a link to them on the Christian artist. Yes. We'll we'll. Uh, link to it on the social media stuff yes um, i i i've sure. told so many people hey watch this yeah when, when the videos come out like oh yeah for sure stuff? i'm gonna like as soon as they come out i'm gonna share like particular ones and be like yeah. guys this message is really good this is what i talked about please let's do it yeah, yeah. it was exactly what it should have been it was great mm -hmm. so That's yeah good stuff. i bought my ticket for you next year already so. oh you did <laughs> yeah you told me do too. you know where it is Probably next year did. atlanta ah it's, it's the same place. It's the same, same place every year. You should try to come nice. over. <laughs> you should. You can stay with us and Emily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So as far as other things that are happening in this channel, uh, we have Terranolius. 
this week at uh, 7 p.m. on Thursday. Woo! Um, but that's that's all I can think of because we're going to be gone at the um, uh, winter retreat for youth yeah. group uh, this weekend. So. Oh, yeah. Yep, which worked out perfectly because it was our off week for Anno Domini anyway. So. Right. Yep. Uh, cool. I think that's it from us here at The Christian Artists. So thank you for listening and watching, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.